Hey everyone, welcome. This is Lucas Granger, lead pastor of Coastal Church. It is our hope that you will find this podcast today challenging, inspiring, and practical as we seek to reach the world with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. That's awesome. T- today, um, uh, a lot, there, there's a lot of questions, and I think people come, and, and one of the biggest questions that's been on my heart and my, my mind over this last year is, God, just what are you doing? <laughs> Anybody else thought that? Not, okay, yeah, okay, not alone. Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing, and what's next? I don't want to miss the lesson. God, where do we go from here? And I don't know about you, but I think there's a whole lot of people in the room, there's a whole lot of people online, that your soul is longing for something. Your soul is saying, I want something more. I don't know exactly what the more is. I I can't pinpoint and say A, B, C, and D, and this is how we get there, and this is what it looks like, but uh, I I want more out of my church. I want more out of my marriage. I want more out of my job, and I want more out of my relationships. There's just something that, God, there, there's something that my soul is not at rest, and, and, and I want more. And if I was to be really honest, sometimes life, it might feel like a fast food restaurant. Like all of life is this kind of like McDonald's cheeseburger, Right? Nobody ever leaves McDonald's and like, that's the best cheeseburger I've ever had. Oh my gosh, put that on Facebook and take a picture of this cheeseburger. Because it looks just like the picture on the sign. I'm preaching better than you think already. Like, come on, sometimes life, it looks like that. And we have this picture that's on the sign and this picture that the world sees. But on the inside, there's something that just says, God, I need something. I mean, supersize this thing. Give me some cheese. Give me some lettuce. Put something in my life because, God, I know because I open up the scriptures, I look at your word, and you said that there was life, and not just life, but life more abundant. And I might have some breath in my lungs, God, but I need some more abundant in my voice. I need some more abundant in my step. I need some more abundant in my marriage, in my church, in my relationships, on my job, because that dude is acting crazy. You know what I'm talking about? Tom, you know what I'm talking about. Come on. More, something. God, what are you doing? And, and something's got to change. And, and I've preached about this. And, and if anyone has spent any time here at church, you know this. Before anything changes on the outside, something's got to change. Come on. And see, we don't like that the Lord does it that way. Because we want the Lord to just change everything on the outside. Change all the circumstances, and then we can work. And the Lord's like, no, 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 you got it backwards. we got to change some things on the inside. So, God, what are you doing? What is the next step? Where do you go from here? So this morning, I really don't want to preach to you. I want you to actually learn something. That was a joke. Like, <laughs> some of y'all get that later. We're going to do a little Bible study this morning. And uh, as we look through these scriptures, we're going to look to the book of, of Ezekiel, and chapters 40 through 48, and I'm going to encourage everyone to, to uh, after service today, go home and read these eight chapters, uh, dwell on them this week, and um, really just study them out, because we're just going to hit a few things in these chapters, Isaiah 40 through 
48. Let me give you a little bit of background before we start to read. Uh, Ezekiel is um, having these visions from God, and he is in exile at the time. It's very important to understand that he's in exile. Jerusalem has been taken over. The temple has been destroyed by the Babylonians. So he's off in another land, exiled, and he begins to give us some of these visions, particularly in 40 through 48. And so the Lord takes him and gives him this vision of Jerusalem in a place that he's not at, in a temple that's just been destroyed. And he's speaking to a people who have lost hope. He's speaking to a people that have been scattered throughout the land, and the way that they worship now is unlike any way that they've worshipped in the past, because everyone knew that, listen, when you worship, you went to the temple, and there was outer courts, and there was inner courts, and there was holy of holies, and everyone knew, like, the holies of holies, that's where God dwells. And now what has happened is another nation has come in, it's overtaken us, and, and that temple has been destroyed. So it's almost as if, God, where are you at in all of this? God, how do we worship now that we can't worship the way that we've known and our, our fathers have known and our grandfathers have known? It's been a certain pattern for years after years, ever since Solomon did this thing, and now things are different. So keep that in mind. He's speaking this. He's getting this vision, and he's relaying it to a people who, man, they need some hope. They're scattered in a land where God, they're asking, what is next? So Ezekiel chapter 40, beginning with verse 1, on April 28th, during the 25th year of our captivity. Now, a couple things real quick. Uh, their calendar here, when this is, we, it would be our April 28th, this is their actual new year. So he's saying, like, at, at the beginning of this new year, 25 years into captivity, they've been going through this for some time. Fourteen years after the fall of Jerusalem, the Lord took hold of me. In a vision from God, he took me to the land of Israel, and he set me down on a very high mountain. From there, I could see towards the south what appeared to be a city, and he brought me near. I saw a man whose face shone like bronze standing beside a gateway entrance. And he was holding in his hand a linen measuring cord and a measuring rod. And he said to me, Son of man, watch and listen. Pay close attention to everything that I show you. You have been brought here so I could show you many things. You've been brought here for a purpose, Ezekiel. Then you will return to the people of Israel and you will tell them everything that you have seen. So here's the scene. The Lord, the Lord shows up. There's another one beside him, Ezekiel, and he tells him, listen, I'm getting ready to show you some things. The reason why I'm going to show you these things is for a purpose. Ezekiel, even though you're in exile, what I'm about to show you, you have purpose, and I want you to pay attention, pay close attention. Now, when I read this, I thought to myself, there's... This is crazy because if I'm having a vision from the Lord and he brings me to this high mountain and I'm overlooking, the last thing you have to tell me is to pay attention. Like, I'm paying attention. Like, God, this is amazing. But the Lord's saying, listen, pay close attention because he knows, like, Ezekiel, you could just wander off. Squirrel, squirrel. What? Ezekiel, don't do that. Pay close attention. And this is important because if we keep reading, the next three chapters, 
Uh, and I know you're not supposed to say this, but this is the part of the scriptures, these next three chapters, where it's kind of boring. It is. It's kind of, this is the part where if you're in your Bible reading plan, you skip these next three chapters. You know why you skip these next three chapters? Let me give you a taste of what's about to happen. It's full-on blueprints. It's full-on the dude with the rod and the measuring thing. He starts to survey everything. It's 105 feet long. Come on. It's 87 and a half feet wide. The inner walls, and there was a guard, and then, and then that's 22 and three-quarter feet wide. And the gateway passage in front of the guard was alcoves, and they were 21, there was a 21-inch curb, y'all. And God's like, pay attention. And Ezekiel's like, squirrel. 21, because you are too. You're reading this and, and 87 and a half feet from one end to the other. And there was 43 and three quarters feet wide. And the gate was 12 and one half feet. Three chapters of this. And you're like, is there pictures, Ezekiel? Can you just draw me a picture? Like, please, something. Give me something. But then you get to chapter 43. Like, Hold on to that thought because it's actually really important because the Lord tells us it's important. Pay attention to this. All scripture is profitable. We get into 43 and it says this, after this, after all of the surveying has taken place, after all of the most boring job on the planet, Chris Stanley, <laughs> licensed surveyor, LLC, <laughs> after this, the man brought me back around to the east gate and suddenly... Suddenly, the glory of the God of Israel appeared from the east, and the sound of his coming was like the roar of rushing waters, and the whole landscape, it shone with his glory. And the vision, it was just like the others that I had seen first by the Kebar River, and when, had, when they had come to destroy Jerusalem. And I fell down on the ground, and the glory of the Lord came into the temple through the east gate. I'm going to skip down to verse 10. And the it says, and the son of man, describe to the people of Israel the temple that I have shown you, so they will be ashamed of their sins. Let them study its plan, and they will be ashamed. And what, the, and what they have done, describe to them all of the specifications of everything else about it. Tell them about its decrees and its laws. Write down all of these specifications and decrees, and they will watch so they will be sure to remember and to follow them. And here it goes. And this, Ezekiel, is the basic law of the temple. When it all boils down, absolute holiness the entire top of this mountain where the temple is built is holy. Yes, this is the basic law of the temple. Absolute holiness. Now, there's some interesting things here. Because it says this. Listen, suddenly the presence of God fills the room and Ezekiel just falls down on his face. When God enters the room, you don't have to imagine what you would do. You are going to fall down because there is this instant recognition of God. You are holy. God, you are holy. And all of this that we've just finished doing, all of these measurements, the reason why all of them matter is because all of it was done to create a space for you to come into the room. There's a reason why the door has to be this wide and the building needs to be this and the walls have to be this to separate, to make a place, God, that you would come and dwell because, God, you are holy. 
and you separate things. And, and this is the lead job of the priest, to separate what is holy and what is common. So all of these walls and everything that, that have been put up is understanding, listen, there has to be a separation. Like, there, there's things in your life that have to be set apart as holy. This is a holy space. It's not just common. It's not like everything else. This is the place that, God, when you enter the room, I fall down on my face. Now, it's interesting because it says, all of this, if, if the people study this and understand it, they will be ashamed of their sin. Which makes me ask the question, how am I going to understand and, 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 and feel shame for my sin by studying these blueprints? How is knowing the widths and the, the depths of all of these buildings and why it all, how am, am, am I going to have shame for my sins? And it says, listen, that they will remember what they've once forgotten. That these rules and these regulations, all of these sacrifices that are being made, there's purpose. How we enter the gates, how we exit the gate, all of it matters. And if we're not careful, we could become a people that are not paying attention. To understand, listen, no, 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 this is a holy place. And the question is, have we allowed what is holy to become common? Have we allowed what is holy? Do we have, have we set aside a place where you, you can just do whatever you want? It doesn't matter. And, and, and the priests, priests can do whatever they want. And, and you don't have to follow the law. And, and, and holiness, ah, God doesn't really care if you do that sin or not. That was just optional. All, of the, all of those things that God said, it, it's just optional. It doesn't matter if you do that. Uh, we, we can live any way we want. Have we taken what is sacred and made it common? Or maybe, let me put it another way. When is the last time that when the glory of God filled a place that we fell down on our face out of just sheer fear of the Lord, that the creator of all heavens and all earth, that God, you are in this place and my righteousness is like filthy rags. And God, just the very fact that you are here, Lord. God, just, I can't even stand in your presence just to get a glimpse of you. I could go blind. God, you are that holy. And I've just treated it as, ah, yeah, we're just, it's Jesus. It's just the name of Jesus. No, 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 there's no just the name of Jesus. I mean, that he is holy and righteous. I mean, so much so that back then, if you were a priest and you wanted to go into the Holy of Holies to meet with God, if you wanted to go to a space to meet with God, which all of us came here today to do, this is what would happen. Someone would tie a rope around your foot and then the priest would have to have some jingle bells. And he'd go into that holy of holies. And he'd meet with God. And he'd have those bells because they knew if the bells stopped ringing, that brother's dead. And so every once in a while, you could just kind of imagine them tugging on the rope of like, we ain't heard the bells in a while. You all right in there? Imagine if you had to come to church this morning and we tied a rope around your foot and put it at the car because you're coming here to meet with God 
and there's a good chance that you could just die in his presence. There's a good chance that everything that we pray for actually happens and God comes and fills this room with such glory that, holy Lord, what a wretched man am I. I am the chief of sinners. My righteousness is like filthy rags, God. How can I live to this? Because the basic law of the temple is absolute holiness. And when I look in the mirror, there is no way I could fulfill any of these things. I could try my best, but I'm going to die in your presence. Those bells ain't going to ring for long. I mean, that's what's going on. That is the scene. That, that, that is, that is the, the God that we serve absolute holiness and have we taken it and just said oh god's cool like we, we've, we've passed all of that we're more evolved now god doesn't mind that we live any way we want to live and all of those things are just optional and whatever sexual preference i want or whatever i want however i want to treat my wife in my marriage or whatever it is each one of us know the thing. Each one of us have that sin that so easily besets us. We don't want to put that on Facebook. But here's the thing. Most people know it about you already. You just don't think they know it. And all of this, but there's this incredible problem. Because God, how? How? All of this, there's no way... I can do it. And so enters Jesus. And so enters Jesus, the one that said, I looked out at all of creation. And like, yeah, there's only one way. And he stepped out of heaven and into humanity and did what none of us, none of us can do. And he made a way for all of us to enter in. And he did it not with the blood and the sacrifice of goats and lambs, but he did it with his own life. Now there's this moment where Christ is now hanging on a cross and he's dying to make a way, a way for all of us to be able to enter in to that sacred space. And see, there was this, in, in the Holy of Holies, there was this veil. And this veil was a separation point. It was a separation that said, listen, there's inner courts and there's outer courts and there's only so far you could go because to get into the presence of God means like in this space you can die. And so Jesus comes, he makes a way, and on that cross, the scriptures tell us that the veil was torn in two. Now, all of a sudden, what was off limits, now is, oh, listen, we can all enter in. We could be a kingdom of priests. We could all do what was once impossible. We actually can be holy because he is holy, not because of our good works, but because of everything that he has done, and now that veil is torn, and we could enter in. Now, here is where it gets interesting. It's because now that we live in this space in which we can just enter in, catch this. It doesn't make the ground any less holy. This is very important. It doesn't make the space any less holy, the fact that the veil was torn and we could enter in to this relationship with Christ. If anything, it makes it even more holy. Because look at the price that was paid for you to be able to enter in. The price that was paid for all of us to be able to walk through that door today. Because if we were really coming in here, 
we'd have to wear the bell, we'd have to have the rope, and attendance would be zero. Because you would never come back here because everybody died up in there. Pastor didn't make it 30 seconds. And Jesus did this, and, and, and I think about it, and I say, God, have I taken spaces for granted? Have I taken things in my life, and have, have I made them common? Have I done exactly what people have done in Ezekiel's day? And, and I've taken, I've just, I've brought things into your temple. And see, they would bring things into this place, and they, they would worship other gods. And we would say, like, that's crazy, but have we done the same thing? Have we done the same thing? And, and, and the chief thing of the priest is to show him, like, this is what's holy. This is what's sacred, and this is what is not. Because, God, we've come to meet you. Now, we, we back up and we realize that during this whole vision that Ezekiel is having, God's showing him. But there's not just two people there. It's not just God. It's not just Ezekiel. But the Scripture tells us that there's this other guy and his face is like bronze and he's carrying two things he has a, a measuring stick it's ten and a half feet long and he has this linen cord and he's the one actually going around and he's measuring all of the things uh, of the walls and the temple and, and he's there and he's he's surveying this area and you realize real quick as you read this he's not just measuring the size of something but he's measuring the quality of something he's measuring the quality of man are these priests living right are the people of God living right? Is there a love for, for the law? Is, is there a realization that, God, all of your laws, it's not there to hinder us, but all of your laws are there to lead us to life. The psalmist says, listen, your laws, I love them. I meditate on them day and night. Man, these, these things, it's, it's not to be restrictive of us, but it's actually to lead us into that very life that we long for. To think that, man, oh, but true freedom is to do whatever you want. No, actually to do whatever you want, that's actually slavery. True freedom is to know that, God, man, you've put these things in this way of life because you know what's best for me more than I know what's best for me. Thank God for the prayers that you didn't answer. Lord, if you would have answered some of the prayers that I prayed, oh, oh. Thank you, Jesus, that your ways are not my ways. Thank you even in the midst of all of this, that I don't understand what's going on and all of the confusion, all of the, I don't know what to believe, who's like, which scientist has an agenda and which one doesn't and which official or whatever it is and everything that's going on and, and all of the tension and the racial tension and, and just, God, I don't know what's happening, but God, I mean, I have something that I could fall back onto. I have a law that like, it's not dependent on anything else that, Jesus, you've made a way. You've made some space that, listen, just, just praise you for it. And it's holy. Our, soul, our souls longing for this rest. And I'm telling you, it only can be found in him. It only can be found in the presence of God. And that presence in which he dwells is a holy place. It is a holy place. It is not common. And Lord, forgive us for treating it as such. Lord, forgive us. Now, the scriptures go on, and I know I'm like kind of hitting you pretty hard this morning. Lucas, we ain't seen you in a long time. This is, this is what the Lord, I feel like he's saying. This is what I feel like he's saying, guys. 
So Ezekiel's having this vision. We get, we get towards the end here. We get to chapter 47, and um, it says this beginning in verse 6. He, he repeats, he said, listen, he asked me again, have you been watching, son of man? Remember at the beginning, I told you to pay attention. We've gone through all this. Have you been paying attention? Have you been watching, son of man? Have you been looking around, Christian? Have you been seeing that, listen, the hand of God is doing something? And it says this, he led me back along the riverbank. He led me back to the place where we first started. He led me back, and all of a sudden this. We returned, and I was surprised by the sight of many trees. Now, all of a sudden, he's seeing something that he didn't notice to begin with. Now, all of a sudden, a few minutes in the presence of the Lord, and he's seeing things that he didn't see before. The Lord has taken him to a top of a mountain. He's given him a view that he couldn't have at, a, at another angle. See, I think the Lord wants to take us and put us and give us another view that we haven't even seen yet. Let me, let me show you something from a different angle that you haven't seen. Let me bring you back to the beginning. And I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, the river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of the stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure, and there will be swarms of living things wherever the water flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. He's saying, listen, this thing that I'm showing you're seeing with some new eyes, there are trees going in places that you didn't notice them before, and it is flowing into a place that you don't think it should flow into. As a matter of fact, this river is now forming up in a desert place. See, there's desert places in your life that you think there's no way God wants to move in that, but that's the very place in which his river is moving into the place that you've given up all hope. And to the place where there's no more hope for this marriage, there's no more hope that there's going to be healing in this body, there's no more hope for this country, there's no more hope that's always going to be like this. In the desert place, what is your desert place? And the God said, Miss, I, I bring a stream right through that place. I will bring a stream right through it, and I will dump it right into a sea that you call dead. I will dump it right into a sea that there is no life in it. But whenever I bring my river, there's going to be fresh life. There's going to be some fish in it swimming in that thing. Fishermen are going to catch these fish in a place there was none. How many of you have some places in your life that you've given up hope on? And God says, pay attention. Pay attention, Ezekiel. Pay attention, Lucas. Pay attention, Cain. Pay attention, Tom. Pay attention, Randy. There's some places that you just feel like it's a desert. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. You feel like there's no hope. You've actually even called it dead already. We serve the God of resurrection. We serve the God who takes things that we call dead and said, I can make this abundant life come out of this. See, we suffer not because we want too much. We suffer because we want too little. I'm not satisfied, God, until you fill this body, until you fill this place. I didn't come here just for another sermon. I didn't come here because Alan's an amazing worship leader. I came here because Jesus, this time and this place is holy and is set apart. And God, you got to do something in this life, in the life of our nation, in the life of these people. God, we need you. 
because your name is above every name. And I need some rivers to flow in this desert. And if you need some rivers to flow in your, de- in the, in your desert, I need you to stand to your feet right now. To say, God, there's something in my life. There's a place where I don't care what the doctor's reports have said time and time again, and you called it dead. And God said, it's time for some hope to arise. Suddenly, everything was, we were just talking numbers. We were looking at blueprints. We were talking about a 21-inch curb. And in the middle of talking about this 21-inch curb, the Lord says, pay attention, because I put that curb there for a reason. And though you don't see it now, all of these little things that you've discounted as just being, I put it there because I'm creating some space in which I can suddenly in your life enter in. And when I enter in, I bring you to a place and you'll begin to notice things that you didn't notice before. And some streams will start to flow in some directions you haven't seen before. Because that's who I am. The name above all names. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you would like to explore more resources just like this, take a moment and download the Coastal Church app. Also, if you would like to give financially to support the ministry here at Coastal, go to mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. God bless and have a wonderful week.